Before we get into the next episode of the Conjugate Chats, I want to thank the Department of Young Strain Coaches, the DOYSC, for sponsoring today's episode. The DOYSC is to help young coaches into the field of strength conditioning, whether that is CSCS prep, live discussions, internship or GA opportunities, or anything else strength conditioning related. They are here for a resource for young strength coaches going into the field of strength and conditioning. I'll drop the link in the description to the DOYSC's Discord so any young coach can have access to this awesome resource. So thank you for listening to the Conjugate Chats and the DOYSC for sponsoring today's episode. And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats with your host here, John Mark Raspberry, Coach Raspberry at that. I have on today Dan Mullins of, don't tell me just yet, I had it pulled up. I swear to you, I just had it pulled up. I can edit this part out. Uh, Loganville High School. So Dan, how you doing today? Good, Coach. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, we kind of had like a weird schedule change over and over again, so it's a it's an honor and a, a privilege to actually have Dan Mullins on here. So um, you're at Logansville High School. You're the strength guy, correct? Yes, sir. Strength conditioning coordinator, uh, teaching technically health and PE. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of your road to strength and conditioning, and where you are today. Yeah, so uh, really transitioning uh, right now. This will be my first year here at Loganville, and uh, super excited for the opportunity. I'm stepping into a uh, a great position um, that really has been has been made for me. Um, it was previously held by another coach that left for to take a head football coaching position, um, and they used this time as uh, as an opportunity to really clear out uh, space to make it an in in day strength conditioning model. Um, I'm only uh, working with football. Um, I do have a couple basketball wrestling and baseball players in my freshman class. Um, but that freshman class, we're teaching two days a week, health and PE, three days a week, we're in the weight room. Um, we are on block schedule. So I do have all my classes at uh, 95 minutes. And then uh, all non-freshmen that play football, so sophomore, all sophomores through seniors, um, I have them Monday through Friday for 95 minutes. So I'm super blessed with that. I kind of have to fill some of that time, but uh, at the end of the day, I can use it for, for a lot of activities that uh, a lot of schools and a lot of coaches don't really have. So I'm super blessed for that. Um, I'm really excited. Um, I also coach uh, football for us. I coach linebackers and co-DC, so really uh, in charge of the block and uh, the, the box and our run fits and all that stuff. So um, I, I'm really excited to be here, really blessed. Um, at my previous school, I taught science, did strength conditioning after the school day and was the defensive coordinator for football as well. So uh, this takes about 30 hours a week in non-football football season. takes about 30 hours a week uh, off my plate where I can be dad and I can be husband. So I'm super excited for it. That's awesome, man. So why strength and conditioning? You know, you were saying that you taught science. Why didn't you continue to, to just teach science and be a football coach? Why go in this realm of strength and conditioning? So for me, um, it was kind of a, a weird, weird route to strength and conditioning. Um, I played basketball in college, uh, walked onto the football team. And then uh, my freshman year of college during spring ball, um, I blew out my knee. Uh, total ACL, MCL, and uh, kind of just lost my desire to play. Um, I knew I wasn't very good as it was. Um, rarely played as a freshman. 
And uh, so I knew when I was coming back, it wasn't going to be like a major jump for me. Uh, so I dropped out of school completely. Uh, but the one thing I did love to do is I love to lift. I love that aspect of it. Um, so I got certified to, as a personal trainer, started working at 19 years old, training people trying to lose weight and uh, stayed doing that all the way through uh, through college. Um, I realized shortly after, like I missed football, I missed school, um, I missed athletes. Um, so I, I started uh, going back for education. Um, and at the time, um, strength conditioning really wasn't a thing in Ohio. Um, it wasn't an in-day thing. Um, it wasn't an option at all. So uh, I, I said, you know, I really love science. Um, that's what I'm gonna go back for. So I got my teaching, uh, teaching degree in secondary science so that I could teach and coach. Um, and then my, uh, the, the job that I got, uh, he was gracious enough to give me a spot on the varsity football team. And they hired a um, strength conditioning coach that came in and he was uh, handled all sports for the school. Um, and pretty early on, you know, I knew like, something was something was off um, and we were football was doing the same workouts as girls soccer and cross country and boys basketball and girls basketball. They were all doing the same thing. And I'm like, obviously, you know, we know that those sports have a lot of uh, a lot of commonalities um, within some movements, but they're drastically different for the requirements of the sport. And I approached our head coach saying, hey, coach, you know, this isn't this isn't right. This isn't what we uh, how it should be. So uh, after that first season. Uh, he said, you know, uh, coach, it's great, but um, you're going to go ahead and take care of the weight room for us. Um, and, you know, we want I want you to run this thing and take over. And from there, I uh, started working with a couple other sports as well. And, you know, they paid me a stipend to just work for them. Um, so I started with two or three sports and then eventually took over almost every sport. You know, I think um, baseball and, and wrestling were the two that I didn't handle there um, just because they had their own guy or uh, our baseball team just didn't flat out didn't lift. Um, so we said, we're all right. So, um, and then once, once I started, program, uh, you know, working with all these other sports, like it became my passion. You know, I love, like I said, I love lifting. I was a competitive power lifter. Um, and I really, uh, uh, latched onto that aspect of it. And then when I found out, you know, that, that some of these other schools and other States, they have teachers that that's what they do. Um, you know, I, I latched onto him. I'm gracious enough that my wife was, uh, super supportive of that. And then the opportunity to have me at home. Um, a lot more was huge for her. So um, outside of outside of football season, um, so she she agreed to pick up, and we moved 500 miles to where this could be my thing. So uh, I have a, a huge passion for strength conditioning. You know, I think um, the ability to take a, an incoming freshman and transform them and be there every step of the process, and you know, help them find themselves within the weight room, within sports, but also in life. You know, for all of us, it doesn't matter. Even if you make it to the the NBA, the NFL, it doesn't matter. You know, your, your time as an athlete's coming to an end. So uh, I, I cherish my role and my ability to take them from where they are, use the weight room as a tool and a catalyst to, to transform them into to what they can be. So um, that's why, you know, once I started programming for those other sports and working for other teams, that became my thing. And I, I latched onto it and I love it. Yeah, man, absolutely. So let's kind of backtrack a little bit. You're saying that you taught by bi- or not biology, you taught science and then now you're teaching PE. So Yes, sir. Did you have to take like separate tests for that? I know there's the practice exam for each state, so like that. So did you have to take one for like your science course for your uh, for your education degree and then had to take an additional test for that PE certification? So in Ohio, you uh, you have to have your degree in order to have that specific uh, in that subject content area in order to get li- your license to teach in that specific area. So my degree was secondary science. Um, and that's, so that's what I taught. So you, I, I was not eligible to get a PE degree or a PE certification in the state of Ohio 
Um, but Georgia, in Georgia, all you have to do in order to, um, to receive a secondary certification in another subject content area is you have to take the GACE test um, for that specific content subject. So my science license transferred over, and that's what got me my education license to teach science. And then I took the test for health and phys ed, and uh, it was two separate tests. And then uh, that, they added that to my credentials to teach in the state of Georgia. So now I can teach health and phys ed, or I could teach science if needed. Gotcha. Okay. I wonder how that worked because in Tennessee, you have to pass the praxis exam to teach the subject area. So yep. mine is, my degrees in, uh, well, my, my master's degrees in education, secondary ed, biology. So I had, to ta- I had to pass that biology exam to be able to teach biology. And the same thing for, you know, physical education. You have to pass the praxis for physical education to teach it. So yep. I was wondering. Same concept, just it's state run instead of the practice, which is, I think, nationally. Yeah. Um, it's just a state test. Gotcha. Gotcha. So why the high school realm? Why not go to the collegiate or even the private sector? <laughs> why high school? So I've been in, um, you know, I, I formerly was a personal trainer, so I had a lot of private sector and I, I trained kids. Even when, uh, when I was at Little Miami, I, uh, I would train kids. I had a home gym and in my garage. I'd train kids in the summertime, too. Um, and, and, you know, there's po- positive aspects of it. You know, you're, on, you're your own boss. You set your own schedule, this and that. Um, but I, I just I have I have a thing, a passion for teams. Um, you know, I think a lot of my messages before before practice, after practice, all have to do with, you know, the the brotherhood or sisterhood of of being part of a team and being part of something bigger than yourself. So um, that's specifically why not the private sector. Um, there's obviously pluses with the private sector within, you know, financially and things like that. But at the same time, there's also headaches with tracking down clients like, hey, you know, show me today. Well, if kids on a team no show you, it's a, I can have a little bit different conversation because my paycheck's not tied to if they're coming back or not. Um, I can hold them a little bit, a little bit more accountable to it, and I find it a little bit easier to hold them accountable to it. So, um, but you know, I interned um, with the University of Cincinnati last summer. I was part of their sports performance staff um, for football, and um, you know, one of the things I remember early on because I was 100% set, like I want to go college. You know, I want to push this thing and. Uh, be be the best that I can, and uh, honestly, to an extent, it was a little bit of logo logo chasing. I guess you would say was my my mentality there. Like I wanted to be a power five strength coach, um, and that was my thing. And then some conversations early on with uh, two members of our staff, Coach uh, Felino, who's uh, now the assistant director there at UC, and then Coach Higgins, who's now at Ohio State with football. Um, really, you know, they were both in a very similar transition with their stage of life, um, where, you know, they either had kids or were about to have their first kid. And, you know, we, we got to talking about, you know, the travel aspect and the amount of time it takes versus money and the costs and the benefits and things like that. And, you know, it, it really spoke to me and sat with me, like, you know, the, that's a, that's a concession I'd have to be willing to make. And for me, I, I wasn't willing to make the, you know, the idea that I don't get to put, be home when my kids go to sleep. Um, I don't get to put my three kids down and, you know, my wife's going to have to be really be Superman. You know, she already is. She's really going to have to go above and beyond to be Superwoman uh, as we move forward. So uh, to me, it just wasn't worth it right now. You know, um, I'm not saying it's something down the road that, you know, when my kids are grown and gone that I wouldn't pursue. But at the end of the day, like I I love high school kids. You know, I think uh, I get to actually spend more time with them than high school or than college coaches spend with their athletes, because not only am I with them 95 minutes a day, I'm also with them for football practice too. And, you know, we have a, we have an amazing group of kids that we gotta, we gotta push out the door to, for them to leave, you know, up in the team room, they've got a PlayStation and I'll go up there every now and then and, and hit the sticks with them. Uh, and, and let the, I mean, I would say let them, they don't, 
they don't need any help. I'm terrible with, uh, with video games and stuff like that. So, uh, but it's con that connection piece, man, that, uh, you know, I can, I can be part of that developmental process with high school kids that once they get to college, you know, they're, I, I know at 18, 19 years old, I wasn't moldable as much as I should have been. Like I thought I had it figured out and I was super hard headed. These kids here, man, you know, and 14 to 18 year old kids, they're, they're super moldable. So I can, I can be part of that, that process. And, and uh, that's why, that's why high school for me, man, the, the personal and the professional aspects of it, it were, were, were where I needed to be. Yeah, absolutely. High school realm is very unique, right? And I said this before, like in the collegiate setting, you know, you recruit kids to come to your school and most kids that go to college or play, you know, collegiate athletics, you know, they got some form of athleticism, you know, they got either proper progressions at their old high school or they're just, just natural, like they're just natural athletes. High school realm is you kind of get what you get. Unless you're like in the private school, you kind of get what you get, right? Yep. And I think there is a little bit of satisfaction of taking the kid who's a freshman, who's very awkward, maybe, you know, he developed on, he or she developed on a little bit earlier in life and now that you know really tall linky really awkward kid looks like bambi walking right <laughs> uh i mean like there's something sad i think satisfying of taking someone like that and then develop them through the four years where if they have the opportunity to go play collegiate athletics you know they're not walking in and surprised by a collegiate strength coach and you know having everything expected of them so for sure one of my uh, my best success stories, and what I love, one I love telling, is that you know we had a kid uh, who was a ended up being a walk on at Ohio State, and I had been working with uh, with him for two, a little over two and a half years at that point. And you know he shot me a message like, just hey coach, I really appreciate you. I felt like I was really prepared when I got on campus here, uh, more so than a lot of the other freshmen, because you already taught me how to move, you taught me what to do. Um, I know that when I'm stiff here or sore here, I don't even have to go to the strength coaches. I know what to do and I'm already feeling better. So, you know, for me, that, that spoke volumes to me for, to have a kid at, at that level, you know, obviously they're the professionals. They, at Ohio state, they know what they're doing. Um, they're a factory for, for pumping people out, but, uh, to, to the league and great football, but, you know, to have that message alone was like, you know, that's fantastic, dude. I, I love having you. And if there's ever anything I can do but he still took the time out of his day to reach out to me. So that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about with high school kids that, you know, you don't necessarily get at the college level. And, you know, I'm sure there are out there, but I think the potential for that's so much higher with high school kids. Absolutely. So you talk about video games and whatever in your weight room or in your facility. So do you have really any hobbies outside of the weight room? Man, I do. Um, my, my biggest one, and it's not really outside of the weight room, I love to lift. Um, when I was in the transition period from here, coach would pull up videos, uh, for the guys like, Hey, this is going to be your strength coach. He's, you know, he's benching 405. He's deadlifting 600. Like this is the guy that's coming to take care of you. So I love lifting. Um, I was a competitive power lifter for a couple of years and, uh, not so much anymore. I still just, I love to, I love to lift. And, um, my, I, my wife is starting to train now too. So training her as well is fun, but man, my kids are my hobby. Uh, I love just being around the, the little stupid things that they do here and there that make me laugh that like annoy my wife, but I'm sitting there on the couch dying, laughing at them. And she's like, what are you guys doing in here? You know, they're, they're my hobby. So uh, my, my young, my oldest is starting to play uh, football now. So getting to watch him run around in a, in a helmet and playing bobblehead football is, is fun for me. So 
I love, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're a headache most days, but at the end of the day, they're, they're my headache. So I would say they're really my hobby. Um, I love to hunt and fish when I can. It's just my time hasn't been there too much, but now moving to Georgia, our hunting season's a lot more. So hoping to find some hunting land and, and getting out and just kind of sitting and being in nature is, is, is a big one for me. So um, that's really, that's about it. I know it's kind of the stereotypical meathead answer. Like I love to lift, but it's my stress relief. So. That's interesting that you say that is your stress relief because, you know, there's kind of two sides to this. It's like a double-edged sword, right? Either strength coaches really think that the weight room is their release, kind of their time away from the world, you know, this is just their time, or it's the complete opposite. It's where it stresses them out, right? You walk in the weight room, you see these plates all over the place, you see crap on the floor or whatever, and it stresses them out. It's almost like a trigger. So it's kind of interesting to kind of talk to different coaches and say, oh, well, this is my stress release. And someone says, oh, well, this is where I get most stressed out. So <laughs> for sure. I mean, it's it's funny because it's like, well, stress relief from what? Stress relief from the kids in the weight room. Well, like your stress relief is what's also simultaneously calling you causing you stress. So it's a fun dynamic. But, uh, you know, I, I, I see exactly where you're coming from. And, you know, there's been days where I'm like, I just got to get out. Um, so it just kind of kind of depends on the day. Absolutely. So what are you doing to continuously learn in the field of strength conditioning? Man, this is, this is a tough one because I think, um, especially this time of year, our time is so drawn thin. Um, and I feel like we're pulled in so many different directions that sometimes we lose, we lose track of this. Um, but so right now, my answer would be conversations like this. You know, I love um, I just I just talked to uh, Coach Starrett with uh, Iron Giants yesterday, and we had a great conversation for a little bit. And um, I love conversations like this because it it makes me, and this is kind of my teacher side of me coming out. It makes me reflective of my practice. It makes me sit and think, like, okay, well, what are we actually doing to address this or that, or how how you know prepping for conversations like this, and and really, uh, it makes me reflect on on what we're doing. And even um, like Thursday nights, I host that um, I host a, a vir virtual clinic where I bring two coaches on and we talk shop for an hour, just asking them questions um, and prepping for that uh, allows me to have that reflective piece. Like, hey, if I needed to, if I wanted to ask this question or if I was asked this question, how would I answer? Uh, but also being able to sit and talk to some of the best coaches that do this. You know, last night we were talking to Coach Smith and Coach Sparkman and we had an excellent conversation talking about in-season programming. And I'm like, dang, you know, Coach Sparkman literally dropped an entire program and then Coach Smith came in and made tweaks to it. So I just I just heard from two of the best coaches that are doing this on how they would run structure their in-season program. Um, and I, now I can take that and hold it up against ours and see what, you know, what's different and, and maybe why. Um, but really having those conversations and, and, you know, we were able to fortunately meet at, uh, the, at NatCon this year. And, you know, that uh, the NHSSCA does a great job of connecting coaches um, to that, that uh, to kind of foster those conversations. Um, so really that conversational piece right now is, is huge for me uh, because now I can, I can reach out to multiple other people like, hey, I'm having this issue. You know, what are you doing? Or having guys reach out to me like Coach uh, Ronnie Jankovic and I talk almost daily about stuff that's going on. And he texted me yesterday like, hey, if, I had, if you had $5,000 to spend on supplements uh, for your team, what would you spend it on? Um, and so like <laughs> that started a whole new conversation for us. So, uh, you know, that conversational piece and meeting good people within your area that you can, you know, you can do site visits when you have time, um, or if not, just give them a call. 
Um, that's huge for me, but above and beyond that, um, you know, for me, I'm about to uh, enroll in my PhD program. Um, you make a lot more money having a PhD than you do a master's in, in the state of Georgia. So um, I'm going to enroll in that this, this uh, winter as soon as football season ends. Um, and I'm going to do uh, exercise science at, at UGA. So uh, I, think, I think professionally, that's, that'll be the extent of my professional development for the, for the next two years. But, uh, you know, we'll see here and there. So. Yeah, man. So conversations are such a great way to kind of express your thoughts and your beliefs when, you know, a certain subject, like in-season training. You know, it really makes you think about what do you really believe and what do you focus in on? You know, what, is, what do you think is most important to you? And I got kind of talked about Monty for a little bit. Monty is such a great dude. I, I tell you what, he he was the second episode on here, and just the insight that he gave on everything because he didn't give answers that were like short, choppy answers. I mean, he nope. he elaborated on everything that even from his backstory to something. Yeah, you know, he he's very he's very detailed. He he gives you everything he's got. So I, I appreciate. I sent him a message this morning after our conversation last night. I sent him a message this morning and said, "Dude." Like it, that was awesome. Just the level of depth that we get into Cause sometimes in strength conditioning, you know, like we have surface level conversations like, Oh, just do this. And like, well, that doesn't fit for what my, my for whatever reason that doesn't fit within our program. Uh, but you know, he, he literally dove in in the first question and wrote out a, Hey, a three day a week program of what he does in season of football. So like, you know, that, that just, it's, it's people like that. You don't meet every day that are willing to share what they're doing. Um, and you know what they're, especially within the weight room at, at that level. So, He's uh he's one of the best in the business, and and I think it shows based off the relationships he builds and and things like that. So I was grateful to even have the opportunity for him to jump on and ask him some questions. Right, absolutely. And it's kind of weird that strength coaches, some strength coaches, not all of them, we're getting really better about this. But it's weird that some strength coaches are really secretive about what they do, <laughs> because really and truly, we're doing the same things, just little tweaks here, you know, here and there. For the most part, you know, uh, you know, nothing's really new anymore. We're just reinventing yeah. stuff at this point. So I don't, you know, we I'm all have our different. A bunch of there's a bunch of different ways to skin the same cat, but at the end of the day, we have to figure out what tools we have to do to get the job done the best. And then from there, it's all about making those relationships to actually be able to drive the kids to do it with maximal intent all the time. And that's what it's about. So I, I, I kind of get headaches myself when within this conversation, because I'm like we're all doing variations of the same thing. Um, it's just I, how, at what level can I get my, my kids to execute our plan the best? Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into this question here. What are the most difficult parts and challenges of being a strength coach? Whew. I mean, I would say that, uh, you know, we are, at the end of the day, we are dealing with 14 through 18 year olds who's, success on the field to an ex to a large extent is tied to our job um so you know i have to be able to be on all the time for these kids um some kids some coaches look at that and like they they get stressed out about it i love it because you know I, I see myself as a very relational coach i'm not the i'm not the the most brilliant when it comes to x's and o's and programming and things like that but i think at the end of the day i have a I, what i do well is is read the room well and read our kids well and how they're feeling and, and establish those relationships. Um, so to me, you know, it's kind of a, like you said earlier, a little bit of a double-edged sword where 
I love that relational piece, but it can also simultaneously be the most difficult piece. Where like, hey, uh, I got I got a junior who his his girlfriend just broke up with him yet last night, and he's rolling into class today, and he doesn't feel like doing anything. Well, I got to find a way to motivate him. But if he's he won't let me in, but like he tells me everything about his life, uh, but but he won't let me in that his girlfriend just broke up with him last night. We could get past it. You know, so that can be that can be a little bit difficult for me um, and, and things that I find challenging is, you know, uh, but I, I love the challenge of finding what buttons to push to help motivate, uh, you know, this kid, whereas this kid needs something else um, and things like that. Um, that's one challenge for me. And then uh, kind of early on, it was it was it took me some time to, to realize that I am going to be the most passionate person in this room about what we do. And I can't expect everybody else to do that because they didn't choose to be a strength conditioning coach. They chose to be a history teacher or uh, or an assistant principal or, you know, whatever it is. I am the most passionate about it. They don't, they may not see the value as much as I do. Um, But, you know, it's a challenge where I have to be able to communicate that with them and communicate our needs and and our why behind what we need. Um, I'm again, I'm, I'm super fortunate to be in the situation that I am where admin um, obviously our, our AD and our, our principal were both former, uh, either coordinators or head coaches of, of, of a sport. Um, so they understand the, the role that performance plays into, uh, into not only success on the field, but also character development, uh, school culture, things like that. So they're super supportive of what we do, but I think sometimes that relationship it's with admin can be, can be difficult if you're not in that place, um, to be able to have those open conversations about, Hey, Here's X, Y, Z, what's been happening. How can we fix this? Um, and then some, sometimes, you know, I've, I've heard stories of admin saying, you know, that's your job, figure it out. Um, but I'm fortunate enough to be in a place where like they welcome that conversation because they've been in my shoes at some level. Um, you know, so, so being, being able to be acceptable with the fact that, hey, I'm the one, I have to be the one to, to place the priority on what we do because that's what I was hired for. And you know, Joe or, or, or John or Susie, they, they weren't hired to be the strength coach. So I have to be able to, to reconcile the fact that I'm the most passionate about what I do. And I should be because it's, it's what I do. Yeah. So a question kind of popped up in my head as you're kind of talking about this. Do you feel like you have to prove yourself every single day? I mean, I'm sure to an extent, yes. Um, you know, especially with, social media and you know how visible our sport coaches are now to other strength and conditioning weight rooms and and programs um and i don't want to say prove myself because uh coach smith i I mean in-house coach smith our head football coach the guy who hired me he was on staff with football performance at university of georgia so like he knows the weight room he could do the weight room but uh you know as a head football coach he's got so many things on his plate he wanted to hire somebody to bring in that's their thing um, so, you know, I'm, I'm very lucky to have him uh, here and that he trusts me enough to do uh, what I do and give me that autonomy. Um, so is there pressure? Sure. Of course, there's, you know, there's pressure to, to collect KPIs to prove that what we're doing is working and to prove, you know, we're keeping kids healthier and we're preparing them uh, more adequately for, uh, for their sport where over, you know, whoever, someone else you could have hired. Um, of course there's, there's always pressure to it, but at the end of the day, you know, I think it's, um, with experience, you have the experience gives you that confidence to be able to say, you know, like, I know what I do works. We may not be, you know, this school or that school or, or whoever, 
But at the end of the day, I know what we do works and here's X, Y, Z of why. Um, so yeah, there's absolutely pressure, but you know, with pressure, you know, pressure is a privilege, you know, it just means something's expected of you. And in my current role, I'm expected to be able to put athletes out there that are going to compete in the, one of the toughest regions in football in the state of Georgia. Yeah, man, that's awesome. So let's talk about a little bit of in-season training. Okay. Uh, the, the time of this recording, this episode is probably going to be about mid season and football season. Okay. So we're dealing with injuries, right? Uh, the first that football players will ever be is today, right? They will not get more fresh as the season goes on, especially offensive, defensive linemen. They take a beating. Okay. Mm-hmm. How do you handle injuries throughout the season and kind of that, uh, I don't want to say like rehab program, but mm-hmm. getting them back to return to play? How do you handle that? So my, my answer for this is drastically different than what it would have been a year ago simply because of how much time I actually have with my athletes. Um, last year, uh, our program, we lifted three days a week, Saturday, Monday, and Wednesday. And most times it ended up being two, Saturday and Monday. Um, and Saturday was less of a lift because of how many two-way players we had because guys were absolutely beat up. So we were doing a mobility, a true mobility recovery day because of, well, I've got half my starters in here and the other half are in the training room getting stuff looked at from last night because we were playing, you know, eight guys both ways. So it was a little bit of a different answer. Um, so my answer this year, um, and because, again, because I have 95 minutes, realistically 70 minutes with them every day, um, only 30 of those are going to be actually lifting. Um, but I think, and, and a lot of that is, you know, intensity driven uh, based off what we need to get done. Uh, kids know all of our exercises we've done because we've been, I'm not introducing anything new that we didn't do this summer. So, you know, you can go. So frees up a lot of time for me. Um, so before we even get into our dynamic warm-up, and this is something I got from the University of Cincinnati, um, we have a mobility warm-up that we do before we get to a dynamic, whereas it's simple things like uh, I have seven of our broken track hurdles that will come through, and we've got a, um, we'll split into four stations, and our one station will be our track hurdles, and they'll go sideways, sideways, forward, backwards, under, over, under, over, to really focus on, you know, the hips and things like that. And, you know, being able to have movement competencies in that, in those aspects, uh, we've got TheraBands, um, the tiny little TheraBands that will do, you know, things like clamshells up and outs and, and to really target those hips. Um, or we can do uh, steering wheels with them and things like that. Um, there's a, there's a wide variety of ways um, where we will cycle through those four stations and that's just become, that will become part of our warm up that we'll hit that before we even get to, you know, the, uh, the dynamic portion of, of what we're trying to do that day. So um, that's one thing that we've done, uh, or that I'm sorry, that we will do uh, to really help keep, uh, keep everybody fresh. Because if we make it part of our program from week zero or from the preseason, they know the expectation is that they're going to, they're going to come in and they're going to do X, Y, Z every day. Um, and here's why it's going to keep you, you guys healthy. And then now when we get to the off season, that's the expectation. You guys are already mobile. You're flexible. Um, so that's a lot of that block zero stuff that I can peel back to. So it's kind of got multiple benefits and multiple layers to it to build competencies that we're going to use and we're going to draw off of when we get to our off-season training. But right now, it's going to do you a lot of good because we're prepping you for contact. Um, we're, getting you, we're getting blood flow through regions that take a beating, whether it's shoulders, hips, backs, things like that. Uh, but that's just built into part of what we do. And I've got two or three different rotations that we'll roll through each week. So like Monday, Wednesday, we'll have one version. Tuesday, Thursday, we'll do another. 
And then the next week we'll do something similar. Just we'll tweak it a little bit here and there. So based off, you know, the flow of things. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about kind of the weight room side of things, right? It's great to have mobility drills, right? I love mobility drills, um, getting through the full range of motion, right? Getting blood flow to the, those muscles. Um, Let's talk about a little bit of in and trading. So we're kind of mid-season here, right? We're in the middle of, you know, about late September, early October, maybe mid-October at this point. So you're kind of getting towards, hopefully, playoff time, right? Oh, yeah. We're getting towards playoff time. Um, do you do anything different when it comes to playoff time? Do you kind of peel back? Do you give more? Do you – what do you do? You know, I think um, we are obviously within our in-season program, we're, we're dialing back the, the volume quite a bit um, compared to compared to our preseason, our summer training. Um, so the, the volume is going to continue to get drawn back. You know, um, we're still especially in, in this conversation kind of changes a little bit with freshmen and sophomores because, you know, for, for them, we're going to train them a little bit differently. We're not necessarily a true off-season uh, model. But we're going to be pretty close to an off-season model because I, I love our freshmen. But the first thing I told them was, guys, I don't care how many games you win this year. I'm about prepping you for Friday nights and getting you guys where you need to be to contribute to this program for the over the course of the next four years. Um, so we're training them slightly differently than what we're talking about here. you know. But I'm really going to be stripping that volume down. We might do something simple as three sets of one. We might do three sets of two. Um, for a lot of different reasons, and I, I kind of uh, spoke on this uh, on our on a call with uh, with Coach Sparkman and Coach Smith that that we recorded, um, but kind of part of it has to do with developing that sniper's mentality, where like you only have one shot to get your play done right. Well, you only have three sets of one, one rep. You got to approach it correctly. You got to do everything right. You got to lock in. So we're we're transitioning that mentally mental aspect of it from the weight room to the field as well. Um, so we're going to do, you know, three sets of one. We might do five sets of one. We might do, you know, two sets of three. And that might be it for our bench, our squat, our clean, our trap bar, whatever we're doing. Um, so that's one thing. But we're also going to, once we get to that point in the season, we really limit the range of motion. Most likely, especially for like our offensive guy, offensive line guys. And um, we're a big heavy school. So we've got tight ends, H-backs. We use them a lot. Um, those guys are going to shorten their range of motion because their body's taking a beating, you know, like, their shoulders, shoulders are going to be dinged up. Their hips are going to be dinged up. Their knees might hurt. Um, so we're going to shorten that range of motion to allow them to, to still get the stimulus of what we're looking for, to still make sure that they're powerful, they're explosive on, on Friday night. Um, but I'm not going to do anything with them that's going to detract or take that away from that. So asking you know, a kid that whose shoulders dinged up to wedge into a back squat um, and go hit full depth, that's, that, might not be, that might not work for them. So, you know, we might front squat or we might uh, go a little bit lighter so you don't have to wedge in as much and then squat to a box. Um, that's going to be a, drastic dif a drastically different conversation. So, uh, but those are some of, the, some of the tactics that we employ in season and that we'll be using uh, to, really, to really drive that home and keep guys fresh but, but still get, get out of them what we need. Yeah, absolutely. So is that how you kind of like monitor athletes' progress as well? Right, you're you're taking a look at them in season, right? And I like to use the offensive line, defensive line examples. Okay, I work with them the most. Um, you know, they're they're getting they're going a hundred ten percent, right? They're they're taking bodies, they're exploding, they're hitting, you know, over and over and over over a course of a three hour game. I mean, 
how do you, you kind of talked about it, how do you monitor their progress as the season goes on and now leading into playoff time? You know, I think there's, I've seen a lot of different ways done. Um, I don't have like timing gates and jump mats and things like that. I know um, several coaches that do use timing gates and jump mats and percentages of, uh, of um, where they were and where they are as, as a means of a pre-screening each day. Um, I don't have any of that yet. Um, I will, I would love to use those and I plan on, you know, getting those and, and incorporating those at some point, but um, and there's, there's some really great um, resources on that. I know uh, Mark Hoover, um, uh, Dilling Leffingwell, I believe I'm pronouncing his last name right, um, out of Columbus. Uh, he does some great work. Uh, he presented Ohio Family Day using, um, using an entire protocol uh, for assessing this. Uh, he'd be a great resource to reach out to. Um, but for me, a lot of it's that conversation, you know, and, and some, of this, some of this is a little skewed, a little jaded because kids are going to say, yeah, coach, I feel great. I'm good to go. And meanwhile, because that they're like, you're our coach. That's what the answer you want to hear is. Right. But like getting past that early on in the season, like saying, no, like I'm really coming to you because you're about to make a decision for the entire team based off how you feel and how you think your interpretation of how they feel. So I need you to be able to have those conversations so that that way, if I can get some of our leaders uh, involved early on, whether they're captains or whether they're just guys that uh, within the locker room that kids trust, you know, they're going to answer that question more honestly from them than they are if I'm the one asking it. So kind of having those uh, mini temperature gauges within the locker room uh, is a huge piece for me. Um, and then early on, being able to take that information and prove to them, well, like, no, that actually makes a decision. So being willing, you know, if, if guys are in the off season, um, and I know, you know, when this is when this is out, we're talking midseason, but um, it, it, this might be a strategy that might work for next year is being uh, open enough to that for that to actually make a decision in training. Like, Hey, you know, pre, pre, uh, pre lift, like, Hey guys, uh, I was told that you guys are overall not feeling too great. You're a little tired. You're a little this or that. So we're going to, we're going to scratch this section of our workout today that, uh, and instead we're going to replace something that's going to make you feel better. We're going to add some mobility in. Um, we're going to, uh, just do something that specifically relates to what you're feeling. Um, so that way they know like, Hey, if I do, if I am feeling this way, like coach has got our back, he's not going to make us do something that's going to, you know, continue to make us worse or, or make, or, or drag us out. So, um, I think that's one way, again, back to that relational piece of being able to have those honest conversations, but take it a step further and let them know that that conversation is actually a decision-making process within our lift and that I'm not tied hundred percent to what I have planned. If you need X, Y, Z, we're going to give you X, Y, Z. Yeah, absolutely. And you talk, kind of talked about like, uh, we kind of talk about uh, a little bit about like stress here a little bit, right? As the season goes on, you know, we get a little bit more stress, especially leading up to playoff times. You know, kids might get stressed. They might even get at, kind of burnt out on football, right? Between basically their off season in January all the way up to late October, early November. I mean, there, there's football. I mean, it's off season, summer workouts. Now you're in season, hopefully going to postseason, right? Going to playoffs. Yep. How do you manage like stress and burnout with players and with yourself? Yeah, um, no, that's that's absolutely warranted, and that's a big piece of what we do that I think gets skipped over quite often. Um, and every coach says they try to make training fun. Well. 
um, especially in in-season time, like their, their body doesn't need as much time as, as we think it needs. So like, for instance, again, I know I said, I've got 95 minutes with them. Um, well, we might live for 30 minutes of it. Well, upstairs in the team room, you know, I said, we have PlayStation five, we might go have like a, a, a you play one quarter and we're going to have a tournament over the course of the next two weeks. Or like we've done dance battles between classes and stuff like that. Like, Hey, I'm judging who's the best, whatever the trend is. I think it was like the, the last time we did, it was like the gritty was huge. I'm like, Hey, everybody give it, pick one person from your class. I'm not going to tell you what the challenge is, um, but we're going to compete, you know, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. They pick somebody. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, now we're going to, uh, I want you to show me your best gritty and we're going to put some music on real quick. And then that divulged into like a 30 minute dance battle of everybody doing their best gritty. Um, you know, it's just little things like that that have absolutely nothing to do with a physiological change. We're not applying stimulus other than laughter and other than, you know, just growing as a team. And now, now I know like, hey, so-and-so over there, he cannot gritty. So if I want a good laugh, I'm going to be like, hey, Joe, give me your best gritty real quick. But he knows like I'm not making fun of him. It's just, it's what we do. It's part of that brotherhood and part of that bonding. And, uh, you know, so I think little things like that of, of trying to make things fun that, you know, uh, we compete all the time. So like they're expected to pop out, you know, do however many pull-ups you can or however many reps of 135 or something like that. But when all actuality, we're about to dance and they have no idea. And then they get hype. And then the guys that didn't get picked, they, now they want to do it. So uh, it's just little things like that, that, you know, kind of, kind of take the stress away and, and make them laugh. Yeah. Do you think that as strength coaches, we kind of get lost in, uh, numbers and methods and all that stuff that we kind of come away from, you know, having fun in the weight room. You know, oh, without a doubt, we, uh, this is something that Monty even said last night was he's like, uh, he said he had a team one time go, yeah, we lost the game, but we can bench a lot more. We can squat a lot more, uh, than they can. And he's like, really? Like none of that matters. We just lost the football game. Um, so it's like things like that, that, uh, you know, I don't hang my hat on how many weight or how much weight or how many reps or the 40 time that our kids can run. Are those good metrics to have? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, like we're, we're prepping kids to go play football and we're prepping the kids to go play whatever sport they're playing. Uh, you know, my, my, uh, perspective is skewed a little bit because I work with, I really just work with football aside from a couple kids here and there. Um, so my, my goal is to prep them for that sport. Um, and the weight room is just one tool of how we get them better. So absolutely, I think we, we get caught up in data. We get caught up in numbers and, and way too much. Um, are they important? Sure. Can they tell us a lot? Sure. But uh, it's not the end-all, be-all to uh, freak factory to pump out to. And that was not a, a saying anything about Monty because Monty puts out some dudes. But uh, it's, not a, it's not a factory assembly line you know, to, uh, to putting kids into D1 is like, you have to have this bench, this squat, this clean or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what advice would you give a young student or athlete that wants to go into strength and conditioning or sport performance? Man, this, uh, this answer is really multi-tiered. Um, uh, first and foremost, I would say start coaching ASAP, like whether it's strength conditioning, whether it's, you know, the third grade girls basketball, it doesn't matter. Start coaching because it's going to give you a lot of those tools and resources that you need in order to, uh, to be able to not only relate to athletes, but also uh, it kind of, there, there's textbook answers and then there's real world answers for everything we do. Um, and, and as soon as the sooner you start coaching, the more, um, 
the more likely you are to pick up on what those those textbook first real world answers are. Um, so the more coaching you can do, the better. Um, next, I would say really surround yourself with with people. Um, you know, the the best part of I would say my career has been the people that have made impacts um, and have helped uh, helped to shape how I coach. You know, everybody from uh, Louis Simmons and Laura Phelps, who are our West Side powerlifting people, to uh, obviously the entire coaching staff at, at University of Cincinnati, um, to the relationships I foster with people, you know, from from just Twitter and the NHSSCA, um, to even people that have never met me, who I've never talked to, but like, I, you know, I, I've stolen stuff from them. Um, so the the more you can surround yourself with people who who you value and who you think are doing a great job um is the better you're going to be you know um so i think that's that's a huge piece to it and then also i'd say don't be afraid to make mistakes man i look back at at my old programs like what was i doing uh and just being able to reflect on that and uh you know be willing to say hey i'm going to try something now obviously i'm not going to like you have to be able to know the time of year like i'm not going to try something crazy for for muscle building uh or that i think might work for hypertrophy within the in season of our football team that would be stupid, but, uh, you know, be willing to make those mistakes at the appropriate time and be willing to look back and say, you know, that, that didn't work. So, and then go back to the drawing board and again, surrounded by other people, like bounce ideas off them. Like, Hey, why do you think this wasn't effective? Maybe it was just my delivery of it. Um, that would be, that's a huge one. Um, and then the other one, which is, is kind of, is kind of daunting, especially to young coaches talk whether it's family day at NHSSCA, if it's conversations like this, if it's hosting podcasts or video or whatever, talk to coaches, you know, be willing to uh, put yourself out there because then, you know, like I said earlier, it's going to make you more reflective of your practice and what you do. And the more that you can think critically about what you're doing, the better. So uh, I know <laughs> I was, I was, I can't remember who I was talking to about this the other day, but my, within the first couple of weeks at Cincinnati, they put us all on the board and I'm like, at this point I had already coached for two, uh, two and a half years. I was a personal trainer for, I think like six prior to that. So like I had an idea of what was going on, but for whatever reason, it was nerve wracking as crap. And they were asking me questions like, why did you pick this? Why would you do this? Why did you do that? And I'm like, I'm giving the answers. They're like, at the end, they're like, absolutely. Like everything you said was hundred percent correct. And we agree with it hundred percent. Uh, you just, you gotta get more confident. And I'm like, you know, that's part of it. Like I'm confident in what I do. I mean, I know what I do works, but why was I so nervous to be able to stand there and say, hey, this is what we do. This is what I know works. Well, it's because I hadn't talked about it that much. So I think that's, uh, that, that's a key piece to be, able to, uh, to be able to discuss through when you're, when you're in the development as a coach. Yeah. Talking through stuff is huge, right? It kind of gets your thoughts in your head because we can sit down and write a program about all our thoughts in our head. It's like, okay, we got unilateral strength. We, we're working this, you know, whatever. Having it on paper and actually sitting down with a person and having a conversation with them about the same thing is two different things. Mm -hmm. and kind of, it, it kind of pushes you to out of your comfort zone to be more confident. It's like, this is what I believe. Here's yep. what we're doing. And I believe that this will work. Uh, you know, right or wrong. I mean, that's how you learn. That's how you Absolutely. are. That's how you're going to grow in this Maybe. profession. And then the other thing, and, and this is kind of, it just popped in my brains as we were talking, is uh, just to be willing to, to buck the trends that you see on social media. Like there's flashy things like 
I would love VBT. I would love to introduce VBT and I would love to do a lot of the things that you see on Twitter. I can't. So like, I'm not going to spend my time wishing and planning for what, like something that I would have for VBT. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with us having a basic weight room and executing really, really well. Um, so being willing to be able to say like, yeah, that stuff's cool. That's awesome. Um, and if you have that dive into it and learn, but at the end of the day, like I'm not sitting here, you know, stressing about how I can get fundraised to get VBT model sensors and stuff like that. You know, I'm willing to say like, I might not do what's flashy, but I'm going to do what's work or what, what I know works. Um, but just being able to be willing to, to have that conversation and be with, with coaches and being willing to, to be able to say that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are your top five coaches that influence you in strength conditioning? Um, number one, I would say Louis. Um, you know, the, I don't think there's anybody, uh, if, if you know anything about Westside and, um, and Louis, I don't think there's anybody who's been afraid of trying things and failing and making corrections than Louis Simmons. You know, our, our industry wouldn't be where we are today without, without him as a whole, whether you use Westside or not. Um, so that uh, I was able to, fortunate enough to train in a Westside gym for a couple of years um, and learn, really dive in and, and incorporate a lot of the Westside methods and see how they work for athletes. So, um, you know, even though he, him and I, we talked, I think twice, uh, but I, I credit him with a lot of what we do. And he's, he shaped how I coach and what we do so much uh, just by what he's done for the industry as a whole. Um, so I would say he would be number one. Um, number two, I would say coach, uh, coach Foligno at Cincinnati, um, and coach Higgins, both of those guys, um, we had a lot of conversations, whether they're about strength conditioning, whether about coaching philosophy as a whole, um, or not, you know, during my short time there, but, you know, I, I have their phone numbers and I've called both of them multiple times just to be able to talk through things, um, and, and run things past them. So, uh, those guys have been, have been awesome in, in my development as a whole. Um, next, I would really say guys like, uh, and I, I would say a group of them, like, I know we've already talked about it, but Monty, uh, and coach Hoover, um, guys that are putting things out like that, that are, are not afraid to pull the curtain back and let you in on their program. Um, you know, coach Hoover and I sat down for like three hours at a Glacier Cincinnati when he was in town, I went down and visited him and we sat down for like three, three and a half hours and, and just talked shop. Um, and he, for, for guys like that to be willing to take the time to, to talk to me um, was huge for me. And then we've, we've talked multiple times since about, about a lot of different things. So they've been awesome. Um, so I would say that would be, I would be three because I put them in a tier. Um, and then above and beyond that, I would say guys like, uh, like Joey, uh, Joe, I'm going to butcher his last name, or Burgles or Burglace. Um, man, he, I, I had the fortune, was fortunate enough to listen to his uh, content at NatCon. But man, he is some of the mobility work and, and the things that he does and processes that he puts his athletes through really shape what we do um, when it comes to that mobility work, flexibility, and that integration piece into the weight room. Uh, he's shaped a lot of our program and he doesn't even know it. Um, so that's fantastic for me. And then, you know, um, lastly, I would, I would, and this is no real specific order, um, I would say both Coach Smith and Coach Jones, who are the two coaches that hired me, um, who are head football coaches. You know, they took a shot on me both times. Um, and that's really, even though it's not directly shaping who I am in the weight room and how I do things, and they gave me a shot um, and they lit that fire into me. And my day, I, I told both of them uh, my goal, because I had, I had no resume when I started Little Miami. My resume wasn't that big when I started here or when he hired me here. 
but they both took a shot on me and I'm going to work every day in a way that, you know, makes them proud of that decision and makes them not regret that. So that lit, uh, using that as motivation for me has really changed the, you know, how I do things and the intention and the, or the intentionality of, of how I do things. So uh, those I would say would be my top five really in no specific order, but, um, and some of it may not make sense, but that's, those are the people that really, the top people who have really, really shaped me. Yeah. And kind of tag along with that question. Who's a coach that you believe that everyone should be following, whether that's Twitter, Instagram, social media, just in general, who should people be following? Well, I'm a, I'm a little biased, but I'd say uh, Ronnie Jankovic is one. Um, that guy has, has worked in a lot of really, uh, really great programs and he's working with one right now. Um, but at the end of the day, there's, if you want to talk about being able to be flexible with what you have and getting the most out of athletes with what you're given within the weight room, and the resources you have, that's a guy you need to reach out to um, because he's he's done a lot with not a, not very much. Um, so he's a fantastic resource. Um, in addition to that, you know all the names we've already mentioned. Um, obviously, Les Spellman for speed and and Tony Bellani for speed and and uh, and the ability to change directions. Um, but one more that I'll add to it would be, um, and I know I keep mentioning Georgia Georgia guys. Um, but Joe Stokowski, and if you want to talk about speed and how to get teams faster, that's, that's your guy. And then on top of it, some of his organizational uh, analytics and some of the metrics he uses, and not just intaking numbers to intake numbers, that guy can pump out, you know, any data score that you want uh, based off anything. So if you're measuring bench 40, uh, whatever you're measuring, he knows how to put it into a spreadsheet and pop it out with a, uh, an overall readiness score. And man, he's he does stuff on a Google sheet that I've I've never seen before. So uh, he's he's a definite definite must follow. And I know I'm missing a ton of guys that uh, that have been involved in there and and that do some great work. But those are those are just the names that come come to mind right away. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Well, Dan, thank you for coming on and sharing, kind of peeling back the curtain, as you said, about uh, strength and conditioning, what you're doing, and everything like that. Man, it's completely awesome. Thank you for even one to be on here. So, uh, you know, thank you for your time. I thank you. It. Like I said, I, I enjoy talking and I, uh, I greatly appreciate guys like yourself that do stuff like this for our industry and to, to really, uh, really get guys to connect to each other and being able to see what we do. So, uh, sorry, I didn't go too in depth into, into specifics on, on a lot of stuff, but you know, our, our conversation kind of, kind of went a little different way. So. Right. Absolutely. Some of this is about some of it is training, but some of it is more just kind of build, peeling back the curtains because I do think that people forget that strength coaches are not always the big rah rah guy, right? Or not the guy you know in the medium t shirt jumping up and down, slapping backs, and you know trying to hit PRs every single day. You know we're actually kind of one that progressed athletic development, you know, from the high school level, from middle school level, from the collegiate, you know, whatever. Yep. So my uh, my head coach asked me the other day, he goes, what he asked, what size should I wear? I said, three X. He's like, all right, cool. Well, I'm going to buy you an XL, cut your sleeves off. And that's your pregame shirt. <laughs> I was like, man, come on now. You can't do that to me. So I'm not above getting rah-rah and, and jumping around and flexing every now and then. But it's not above me. But, you know, I prefer the three X. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another episode of the Conjugate Chats with your host here, John Mark Raspberry, Coach Raspberry at that. Uh, in the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today. Thank you, Dan.